Our scripture reading this evening comes from Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. If you're using the Red Pew Bible, that's page 1. Genesis chapter 1, we'll be reading verses 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. tactic, a technique to see if you can get someone to help with something is to ask them, hey, what are you doing on this date? And the date that I'm going to ask you about is October number, October the 12th. What are you doing on that date? And you look at your calendar and you're going to say, that, well, there's nothing on my calendar. All right, great. You are available to help with the Rice Festival. We have that, that weekend, and what's going to take place is we're going to open up our parking lot. We're going to open up our, our building and our, our restrooms to different individuals as they, as they make their way to and from the Rice Festival here uh, close to, to our building. There will be a parade early in the morning, and many of you have been associated with this. We're going to be helping tr to try to coordinate that this year, and so just want you to be aware of the fact that, that this next Sunday there will be some sign-up sheets out in the foyer uh, for various uh, responsibilities and roles that you can sign up for and help with. So we're looking forward to that. Realizing it falls under the umbrella of, of an outreach to our community. In an effort to help them uh, get to know the fact that we are here, that we are willing and ready and able to, to study the Bible with them, to provide for them the opportunity to come to know more, more fully our God and to be aware of the uh, opportunities that, that exist here at the congregation here in, in Katy. And so Put that on your calendar and be prepared to, to, to help with that. And there's a, there's a variety of different roles. We, we need your help and we want you to, to be involved. A few years ago, uh, I noticed a, an, an article um, that, that came across uh, one of my news feeds of some sort. And, and it said PETA, uh, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, was suing a photographer. They're suing a photographer uh, for the fact that he was using an image that did not belong to him. Uh, interestingly, the image that he was using, it wasn't taken by another photographer. It was actually taken by a monkey. What happened was this photographer set his monkey down, uh, set his camera down, and a <laughs> he was a very interesting photographer, set his camera down, and a, and a monkey came along, picked up the camera, turned it around, and took a selfie with his camera, and he took that image and, and was selling it. And, you know, it, was, it turned out to be a great image. It was kind of funny. And uh, PETA came along and, and sued him for using this image that they claimed did not belong to him because he wasn't the one that had taken that image. Uh, it worked its way through the court system in, in pretty high-profile case, believe it or not. 
And uh, in the end, he, he retained the rights, the photographer did retain the rights to the image, uh, but he agreed to donate some 25% of any proceeds from that image to helping with uh, whatever type of uh, conservation efforts would be going along with that animal. It, it stirred up some, uh, some things in my mind about one of the classes that I had taken in college. Um, and he, uh, one of the things that, that we learned in that, in that class was that chimpanzees and humans share 98% of similarity in their genetic makeup. That is to say that in, in, their, in, the, in their human genome versus the chimpanzee ge genome, that if you were to look at the DNA, you would see a 98% similarity. In fact, the only difference uh, that, is, that is found in what, what evolutionary secular scientists claim to have happened is that they say that, that if you look at a chimp's DNA, if you remember from your genetics class, uh, that, that humans have uh, 23 pairs of chromosomes, uh, chimpanzees have 24 pairs, so they have 48 total chromosomes. And what they say is, that what they allege is that at some point along the line, two of the chromosomes fused together, luckily, fused together, and that resulted in the, the genetic makeup that we have in humans today. How fortuitous, right? How lucky we are to have had as humans, if we were to go along with that idea, that we as humans uh, happen to have a, a couple of chromosomes that fuse together and now we are who we are today and not the monkeys living in the forest. Maybe your mom told you growing up that you needed to quit acting like an animal. Uh, maybe you're wallowing, wallowing around in the mud. Maybe, well, I still struggle with this one personally, slurping your milk. Uh, I'm sorry, Aaron. But as, as you think about that, that statement that we make, oftentimes. Quit acting like an animal. And that's, that's the title for our lesson this evening. Are you acting like an animal? Why is it that we understand that there is a very obvious distinction between the animal world and the human world, and yet still sometimes we continue to act like them in some of those small ways, such as wallowing around in the mud? But I want us to consider a few things this evening that, that help us to understand the distinction between mankind and the animal world. And particularly as we've considered already our scripture reading this evening from Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27, I want us to notice this, this concept, a phrase that is used here that maybe we don't fully grasp or understand because it's an interesting phrase and one that maybe is, is a little bit hard to chew on. In verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image. And then in verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. In Genesis chapter 9, just a few chapters over, after Noah and his family get off of the ark, it says in verse number 1, So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But notice in verse number 2, and the fear of you, that is you being Noah and your family, and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth. That is, when they look at you, when they are aware of you, they will fear you. There is going to be dread of you on every bird of the air, on all, the be all that move on the earth and all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you, and I have given you all things, even as the green herbs, but you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, in, that is its blood. Surely, for your lifeblood, I will demand a reckoning, a repayment, 
From the hand of every beast I will require it, and from the hand of man, from the hand of every man's brother, I will require the life of man. Now notice, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. If you look at Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, the only beings, created entities, that are referred to as having the image of God are mankind, is mankind. It's not any other type of animal. In fact, as we see in Genesis chapter 9, we go on to read and, and see that God tells Noah that there is a fear of you by the animal world. There is a distinction. There truly is. Now, I know some of you love your, your dogs, your pets, but they are not truly part of your family. I know that, that, that you love them, but there's, there's a difference between you and your animal that lives in your house. And so the question for us this evening, what, what is it that makes us created in the image of God? What are some things that we can point to to help us to understand this distinction? I want us to consider four things this evening. Number one, as we consider being created in the image of God, I want us to ask the question, are you doing everything with all of your might or are you acting like an animal? Are you doing everything with all of your might as we consider from Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10 or are you acting like an animal? Being created in the image of God affords humans the privilege of an intellect. For example, what, what animal ever conceived of an idea that we obviously understand or know of? What, what animal ever grasped their own existence in the totality of the universe? What animal ever invented a language or engineered a complex structure or composed a symphony or discovered a, a disease and concocted a, a cure? None unless you equate humans with, with animals. You might be acting like an animal is in this way, if you're doing the bare minimum. One might say, but Jordan, the proverb writer in Proverbs chapter number 6, verses 6 through 11, tells the lazy man to look at the ant. He says, look to the ant, you sluggard, he calls them. And he says, the ant is not in need of an overseer or uh, someone to watch to make sure he gets his work done. He just does it. But it's not that I'm associating laziness with, man, with, with the, the animal world in that we think about this idea of doing the bare minimum. It's, it's what, we're sa what we're saying is that the animals are simply doing what they were designed to do and what's expected of them. Nothing more and nothing less. But in reality, do you want to be held to the same standard as an ant? Certainly not. But as you, as you think about this, on the contrary, you will be acting as one who is made in the image of God if you do and practice the teaching of Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. We, we spent some time there this morning. Let's spend some more time there tonight. Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3, if you recall, we talked about the fact that chapters 1 and 2 are in light of or talk about the fact that Christ is supreme and that Christ is sufficient. And then in chapters 3 and 4, it's this idea and concept of in response to Christ's sufficiency and supremacy, we should, as individuals, offer our lives as a sacrifice and as servants. And so as we come to chapter 3, verse number 23, notice this verse. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, 
There's something very interesting to notice as we consider this verse in the context of our premise. He doesn't just say, whatever you do, do it to your fullest potential or to the best of your ability. Now, that's a great mantra. It's something that we should try to achieve. But this word here, heartily, in the original Greek, meant to do it with your soul. To do it with your soul. And so now we're starting to get into this idea and concept of maybe what's the difference between the animal world and humans being created in the image of God. He says to do it heartily as to the Lord. Do it with your soul. In other words, because you have a soul, use it. Use it. Now, this is a great verse, as we said, to to memorize, to hang on our wall, to coin or throw out of someone who's being lazy. But, man, when you put this verse in its context... It begins to sometimes really step on our toes. Notice verse 23, and then back up one verse. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Then back up another verse to verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Hmm. Back up another verse to verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Husbands, Love your wives and do not be bitter towards them, verse 19. Another verse, back up to verse 18. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And then if we were to back up another verse to verse 17. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so we have two verses that kind of bookend this section, verse 17 and verse 23. Verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do by the authority of the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then in verse 23, whatever you do, do it heartily as someone that is doing it with their soul, not just going through the motions, not just uh, doing repetitious actions. Let it be known this evening that we have the capability to do more than just the bare minimum. And that helps us to distinguish the animal world from humankind, from mankind. Because we are created in the image of God, we have the capability and the responsibility to do more than just the bare minimum. As physical beings, it is well within our physical capability to go through the expected motions. Consider, as this, in this context, servants barely completing their tasks. But, but completing them, just barely. Fathers changing diapers but not changing minds as in changing who and shaping who our children are yes the father may go through the motions of working and putting food on the table but are they actually helping to shape the minds of their children going beyond just the bare minimum children perhaps you sometimes just say yes sir yes ma'am but then you go on and do something else completely different Not doing just the bare minimum, but doing more than what perhaps is expected of husbands. Saying, I love you, but not actually showing it more than just with the words, than with the words that you use. Wives submitting to your husbands, but maybe with a poor attitude or spirit. If we truly believe that we are separate and distinct from the animal world, then we need to stop acting like animals and start living like beings created in the image of God. And doing things with our soul instead of just our physical bodies. Now we could stop there because that really could encompass everything. But let's just consider a few more things. Secondly this evening I want you to ask yourself the question, me too. Do you love like God or are you acting like an animal? 
being created in the image of God provides not only an individual with the capacity and the ability to have an intellect, but it also provides humans with the capacity to love unconditionally. To love unconditionally. Sure, altruism has been, in a, to a degree, shown to exist among certain uh, animal uh, realms. But it could never be compared to the altruism and the, the unconditional love that we see among mankind. You might be acting like an animal if you show love to someone simply because of what they have done for you. Or maybe you're acting like an animal because you unequivocally withhold love. You don't give it because of what someone has done to you. Maybe you, you show love to someone because of something that they have done for you. Or maybe you don't love someone. You withhold love from someone because of something they have done to you in response to them. Another way that you might be acting like an animal, if you withhold love because of a prejudice that you might have against someone. And we've seen that over the course of history. Let's, let's explore those a little bit further. You might be acting like an animal if you know not to bite the hand that feeds you. Young people, children, even a dog knows not to bite the hand that feeds them, and so you should treat your parents with respect as well. Maybe, though, you love an individual because of what they can do for you. Maybe they, they actually physically feed you, or maybe they provide you with some emotional support, or maybe they provide you with some sort of friendship, and so that's why you love them. Or maybe you show them love because you get a gift from them, or something is, uh, a privilege is received from them because of the love that you show them. Or maybe you withhold love because of the pain that someone has caused you. Does a beaten dog show the same loyalty and love for its master that a, a dog that is cared for kindly and, and tenderly does? Certainly not. What about us? Do we withhold love from others because of how they have treated us? One might say, well, that's, that's only natural. I'm just instinctively protecting myself. But can we not see how withholding love from someone based on their actions is conditional love? You, or maybe you're acting like an animal because you withhold love from someone because of the, the prejudices that you have. A dog tends to be leery of strangers, and they're very careful because they're not sure of the danger that might lurk around that individual. But do we withhold love because of our unfounded fear of someone of a different race, of a different nationality? Or do we withhold love from the community members in need because of the fear that they might take advantage of us? If your love is extended on a conditional basis, on a basis that asks, what can you do for me, then we are acting like animals. Consider cha Romans chapter 5 with me. Turn there in your Bibles to Romans chapter number 5. When we ask the question, do we love like God or are you acting like an animal? Are you withholding love from someone because of what they've done to you? Are you extending love to someone simply because of what you get out of it? Or are you withholding love from someone because of the prejudices that you have? Or do you love like God? Notice Romans chapter 5 verse 6. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man. Some would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Consider this thought. 
comparing the, the conditional love that we talked about just a moment ago, consider Jesus' unconditional love for us that was shown on the cross and demonstrated in that he did not show love to us because of something that we had done for him because there's never, never anything that we could truly do for God to earn or re- deserve anything from him. But yet he still demonstrated his love toward us. A step further, Jesus' unconditional love on the cross was demonstrated in that he did not withhold love from us because of something that we had done to him and we did do something to him. We put him on the cross and yet he didn't w- withhold that love. That's what loving like God looks like as someone who loves with agape love, unconditional love. But also, he didn't withhold love from us because of something he thought we might do to him. Not only did we put him on the cross, but he, he knows that we're not going to walk perfectly after we become a Christian. We're still going to crucify the Son of God afresh, as it talks about in the, the book of Hebrews. And so God and Jesus loves us unconditionally, and there's an expectation that you and I do the same. Consider Jesus' commands. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 39, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But the second is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. That's not in vogue. That's not consistent with what the world says. The world says, get mine and get what, des- what, what you deserve and what's coming to you. Don't care about anybody else. And certainly don't do what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, 44 through 45. He says, but I tell you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you and despitefully use you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. If you truly believe that you are different than an animal, that you are distinct and separate from the animal world, but yet you're having trouble loving your neighbor, and you're having trouble loving your enemy, it may be that you're loving conditionally, and you might need to stop acting like an animal and start loving like God as someone that loves unconditionally. Number three, do you possess a conscience? Do you possess a conscience? Being created in the image of God not only allows the privilege of an intellect and the ability to unconditionally love, but it also allows for the ability to self-reflect. To self-reflect. Yes, animals can be conditioned, the dinner bell, based on rewards, based on punishment, but that doesn't compare to self-reflection against a standard, nor does it account for the guilt that you and I feel for sin. And so... You might be acting like an animal if you do not any longer possess a conscience. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, Paul tells Timothy, Some will depart from the faith, speaking lies, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. They don't even know the difference between right and wrong anymore. They just want what they want. Is that speaking of you? Do you know the difference between right and wrong? God gave you that ability. God gave you the ability to self-reflect. But are you using that ability? Now, when we think about what we're doing this evening and examining 
the, the idea or concept of being created in the image of God. We've talked about the fact that we uh, have the ability to unconditionally love and that we have an intellect beyond what the animal world has. Now, we, this, this analogy kind of breaks down a little bit in the sense that God doesn't self-reflect in the sense that he is, uh, ever had, has ever thought of something wrong. But rather, what we're talking about is the ability to reason. God has the ability to reason. He understands the difference between right and wrong. And when we ignore that capacity, that capability, we fail to use the faculty when in the process of making decisions, then we're acting no better than animals. We're only acting instinctively. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, Paul says when he was a child, he thought as a child, he talked like a child, and he reasoned like a child. But when he became older, he put away childish things. Sometimes in this world that we live in, there are individuals that still reason like children and they need to grow up. If we, if we don't grow up, if we still reason like children, we're acting no differently than an animal, acting instinctively. Number four, do you practice self-discipline or are you acting like an animal? Being created in the image of God affords the uh, privilege of an intellect. It affords the ability to unconditionally love. It provides us with the ability to self-reflect and then in turn, it gives us the opportunity to practice self-discipline. To practice self-discipline. Beyond the ability to self-reflect is the ability to capitalize. To, to be able to make ourselves better because of the self-reflection that we've done. Not only for the benefit of, of myself as my, my relationship with God, but also because of my relationship with others, with my family, with my church family, with my community. Because it's not all about me. It's not all about what's mine. It's not all about the survival of the fittest as the world says. You might be acting like an animal if you know what's right and yet you still don't do it. James chapter 4 verse 17. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So we come to a close. The phrase that is used sometimes, he's a lunatic. He's acting like an animal. He, he treated her like an animal. Some of the things that are said about criminals, about individuals that are serving time for perhaps murder or preying upon the weak or rape. Often this accusation of someone having lost their humanity is associated with those things. But is that really all what defines our humanity? Just the ability to abstain from murder? To abstain from rape? Or is there something more? Something far greater that sets us apart? How about being created in the image of God? Being provided with the opportunity to have a soul? I would suggest once again to you that the fact that we are created in the image of God is what sets us apart. And as we consider the fact that sin is contrary to the nature of God, let us realize that when we are sinning, we're acting no better than animals. Make it right this evening. Regain your humanity. The privilege of being one who is bearing the image of God. Conform to the image of Christ through faith, repentance, confession, and water baptism. Or as one perhaps that was once washed in the blood, and has now regained their humanity, but they began, maybe you have gone back to wallowing in the mire. Make it right. Come home this evening as together we stand and as we sing.
by the world's Hasten so glad and free 